honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm geeked for this week's guest. We have Jordan Syed, who's just an incredible dude um, and just making waves in the fitness industry, but also in the branding industries. Um, he's currently Gary Vaynerchuk's trainer. He's done a lot, a lot of amazing work, and I, I've been following him for a very, very long time, and he's just crushing it on Instagram and YouTube right now. So I'm super excited to dive into his story and hear a little bit more about how he's able to stand out. And if you do like the episode, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes, hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. One, thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. I've been following you for a while. Um, I appreciate it, dude. Dude, thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. Awesome. So I was, one, I dissected your entire life. I know we've been trying to get this scheduled out and totally my fault, um, but I, I was reading an article that you wrote back in 2012 just talking about an experience that you had. Can you kind of walk me through how Jordan became Jordan? Oh man, which article do you read? You went on a trip and you were training your friends and they saw results and you realized this is something that you wanted to do. And you kind of like, looking back, you're like, wow, I probably shouldn't have gave that advice, but I love doing this. <laughs> Got it, yeah. I think it was just, it was your birthday that day. That's amazing. I like completely forgot about that. <laughs> um, so what happened was, I mean, for that article, what happened was, when I, after high school, I took a year off. So I took a year off during half of uh, at school, and I went to Israel for a year. I just traveled for a year. I just met like a random group of kids, just like an absolutely crazy, out of their mind group of kids. And um, they ended up being my roommates for the majority of the year. And um, in that year, they, like I was super into fitness, but I got into fitness. I was, I was a wrestler since I was eight years old. Mm. Started wrestling. I started wrestling at eight. Made varsity as a freshman. I cut a ton of weight. I, I beat a junior out for the varsity spot when I was uh, when I was a freshman. So I was cutting from about one twelve to one hundred three, oh. and I knew nothing about fitness or nutrition or strength training. I was a, I was a good wrestler because I had done it for a long time. So my technique was good. My endurance was good. My my like strategy as a wrestler was good, but my strength wasn't there, especially since I was going up against stronger kids older kids and um, I was cutting a lot of weight so I didn't really have that that on my side yeah really dig deep into nutrition and strength training and I got obsessed with it so I, uh, I ended up finding a gym a couple towns over that specialized in kettlebells for this like I had a I had a Russian a Russian coat with super many kettlebells and I started to get into them but I didn't know how to use them so I reached out and I was like hey I just come and work with you. I'll, I'll work for free. I'll clean the floors. I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll take trash out. So let me come and train and end up working with them when I was 14. And so I'm uh, 14 really in high school. I worked with them. They really like gave me a huge base to start off with. So then I went on that trip and that was when I like, when I was with them, they, I was like the expert for them. I was like, oh my God, like we have all this knowledge. Like this is amazing. Whatever you're doing. I, I bought a kettlebell for the apartment. 
Christian and I were doing fasting at that time. It was like, at that point, it was relatively new, like no one had really heard of it. So I was just teaching them everything I knew, and then by the end of the year, they had all these amazing transformations. I was like, wow, this is 100% what I needed to do. That's awesome, dude. So you've always been in fitness then? Yeah, I mean, since I, I wrestled since I was eight, and then by the time I like got into it at super competitively in high school, that's like sort of these sort of joined together wrestling and fitness sort of became one thing for me, and they, they both set off each other, and there was never really another option. That's incredible, dude. Tell me a little bit about what you're working on now. Um, I have a lot going on right now, but I think the, the big thing for me, so what's actually really cool is a lot of the people who find me now, they find me through, through Instagram, but they don't realize that I've been doing this since 2011. Like, mm. I, I had my website going since 2011, since July 2011, I've been writing it. I wrote one article a day, or one article a week, every week, from 2011 through 2015, and that doesn't include like stuff I did on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and all this stuff, but really, my website was very focused on for the first three plus years of my business, just constantly making it like really long form things like content there, mm. uh, 500 articles. And, uh, and then I ended up doing like a lot more of the email after that. So I like, built up an email list and did a lot privately there. Then when I started coaching Gary, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I started doing a lot more on Instagram and, uh, that, Really, it was fortunate because it really like uh, it took off. But um, and I, I love it. Instagram has like it's, it's changed my life. It's helped me reach way more people. It's been amazing. But uh, right now, I'm really switching over to YouTube because um, what I've noticed is Instagram's been incredible at helping me reach more people. But YouTube is a platform that allows me to create more in-depth content that can actually have a uh, a lot more deeper effect. And so yeah, it, it's, it's funny, like I've said it to a lot of people, I would rather have, I'd rather have a hundred thousand people following my, following me on YouTube than a million people following me on Instagram. Mm. The people who are going to take the time to watch a 10, 15, 20 minute video on YouTube, the people who are going to listen to an hour long podcast are going to get a lot more value and benefit than the people who will scroll by on Instagram and don't have them not really read the caption or watch a full 60 second video. It's funny, like, I've gotten a lot of comments on Instagram from people who are like, man, the captions are too long, I can't read it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, this, this caption is inherently limited to a very small <laughs> character. Like, yeah, if you can't like, read this whole thing, then how are you going to expect to get the value out of it? So, Basically, I wanted to switch over to YouTube, not to, to ignore Instagram, so I'm posting on there at least once a day, if not twice, but uh, doing like five to six times a week upload to YouTube so that I can grow that platform, reach more people, and have a much deeper effect on those people because uh, no lot of them are coming over from Instagram. Yeah. I love it. Um, I just want to be able to put out a content that has a lot more inherent, intrinsic, deeper value that can really help push people along and reach their goals. I love that, man. And I love that you're thinking about that. Me personally, like I'm, 
I'm big on LinkedIn, like that's my main platform. And I, I create on YouTube and everything like that. But LinkedIn for me was a spot because one, that's where the decision makers are. That's what was going to propel my business forward. But also people wanted to consume the content that I wanted to talk about and that I knew would bring value. So I love, love that you're thinking about that. Um, what are some things that you're implementing to grow those platforms? Because one thing you do a great job at is is connecting, no matter what platform you are on, dude. Like you're you're fucking hilarious, man. Like literally, like I was scrolling through your feed, dude, like laughing at everything. But also, like I wanted to click on your YouTube, and I got a lot of value from that stuff. Whether you're talking about business or um, about fitness, whatever it was, you connect on a you very you connect very very well. So, what are some things that you're implementing to grow that? And also, how can people go about connecting with their audience? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think, well, sort of just sort of go off what you said in terms of being funny. I really think that the humor that I get across, whether it's on Instagram or, or YouTube or whatever, especially Instagram, I, is it's very much a skill. It's not something that just comes as like naturally. If you go down my YouTube, my Instagram uh, feed, I'm well over. It's gonna be over. It's definitely over two thousand. Yeah, hundred plus by now. And like, if you go down at the beginning, it wasn't funny at all. <laughs> it wasn't interesting. It wasn't funny. It wasn't. And I think some of the best advice that I ever got from a more of a business marketing standpoint was was don't be boring. <laughs> like, it's really, really, really important. I think there's there's a there was a point in time in which information information based marketing, which is like teaching people was was absolutely king. And I think it still is. But if all you're doing is teaching people and you're not being able to capture their attention, you're not able to speak to them, they're gonna leave because they're at a point where there's so much information based marketing that there are people who are able to keep people's attention, to interest them, to like to entertain them in some way, they're gonna be the, the one who can win because they do both. Um, so I don't think, I think what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of time that I'll spend on one Instagram post. The amount of time that I spend, like, thinking about a caption or writing a caption. It's not like I just write a stream of content and post it. Like, usually a caption will take me anywhere between 45 to, 45 minutes to two hours. I have the head limit for three hours. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because people will see it. So the caption looked relatively short, but like, everything about it was meticulous and streamlined and thought about, like, Crying and editing it over and over and over again, done with the purpose of like someone will read it and they might read it in about two minutes and think it's hilarious. But the reason they were able to read it in two minutes and think it's hilarious is because of the three hours, two hours, whatever that I spent in making it that seamless. I think one of the best things about good writing is good writing is only good writing when you don't realize that you're reading it. It's like if you have to stop, then, oh, there's a grammar error, oh, that part is clunky. That's not good writing, and that's really good writing and good writing because it's a lot of good editing. Um, and so, I mean, I think for me, one of the best ways that I've been able to connect with people, whether it's through humor or through whatever, is through a painstaking amount of effort going into how can I make this not just really good quality information that's science-based and helpful, but also presented in a way that is is interesting enough for people to want to read it. There's a lot of stuff about fitness. Like, the one thing that I had realized with coaches is people wanted to learn about anatomy and physiology and understand, like, anterior pelvic tilt and, like, all these muscles. Like, they wanted to, like, understand, like, the science of it. They went to school for it. And, like, they would have spent a lot of time studying it already. So, I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of coaches make, and 
you should probably transfer this over to any industry is they, they try and impress other coaches. Mm. Impress other people in their field with their knowledge instead of impressing the people who actually need it or to hire them. And so, one thing I had to do is I stopped trying to use all the big words, the big terminology, all the fancy stuff that no one else knew or understood, and then start really, I, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but simplifying it and being able and being okay with having someone else in my industry read it and be like, like they wouldn't be impressed by it because it's nothing they don't know. But someone who's not a personal trainer, nutritionist, or like that, they'd be like, "Oh my god, it's super helpful and it's super simple." And I also laugh while reading it. I've got to follow. You know, that made a lot of sense. I think that's what's helped me a lot is being able to connect with people who need it most by not sounding pretentious, by not using the big words, really making it super simple and fun. That is so interesting to me, and I love one. I love that you mentioned what you mentioned about the writing because for sure, like copy drives. I'm, I'm a writer first, but I'm known for my video, and the copy is a reason my videos do so well. But also... Um, That's so interesting. On, on LinkedIn, are you super writer? LinkedIn, for sure. Um, like, if I have a video that hits 200,000 views, like, it's a copy. Like, people are clicking on it because of the copy. There's other things, of course. Um, like, I've built a community, so yeah, but, like, the copy. Instagram, same thing. Like, if there's good copy, yeah, people are going to engage. People are going to comment. People are going to share. Um, but everything. YouTube, I, I have not cracked. My team's good at it, but I, I suck. Uh, but copy, for sure, dude. Like, all day, every day. And I love that you're spending that much time on it. Because not a lot of people think about this. I, I spent about a year and a half. I, I'm not. I'm by no means an expert copywriter. Mm. Um, it's funny because I'm like looking at my post app right now, and I just have like the ultimate sales letter by Dan Kennedy right here. And it's like I have like I spent a lot of time on copy, like a year and a half. And when I really went over to email, that's like what I spent so much of my time with. And I think I, I'm not an expert copywriter, but I am. I would say within my industry, within the fitness industry, among people who are not like expert copywriters, I'm I'm among the best copywriters within my industry, which gives me a huge advantage because I spent that time. It, it's sort of like I don't, I don't know if you if you like boxing at all, but mm. uh, Lomachenko, you know who Lomachenko is? No, I've, but I don't follow it. One of the best fighters in the world. He's like, like untouchable. Yeah, like, literally, in my sense, like no one can touch him. No one, no one can touch him. He's insane. He spent several years of his life under his father's um, guidance, stepping away from boxing and, and doing ballet dancing. Because now he can literally dance around people in the ring. You know, it's just unbelievable. And it's, it's because it didn't take him away from boxing and that he never boxed again. But he reached a point in boxing which he knew like, he could only go so much further, but then he did more ballet, learned a new skill that propelled him to do further further in boxing and no one has been able to do. I sort of feel like that's what's writing what writing the made on the fitness it's like i got so up to a point where the knowledge can only take you so far like being able to express this knowledge that i've learned can only do so much until i'm better able to express myself period and so learning how to write better and how to be a better writer be more interesting help me take the knowledge that i had in fitness and be able to express it in a way that no one else in fitness would do it yeah that i think is a good way for it's it's literally just forget like i use a lot of harry potter Yes. What house are you though? It's like it's just something where being able to connect with people on a very real personal level that I don't think I would have done, or I don't think I would have had the capacity to do if I hadn't spent enough time writing and being more comfortable with writer. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, what are what are some other ways that you're able to stand out in that industry? Because it's a crazy, crazy crowded industry, and there's a lot of people failing. 
what are some things that you're doing? Uh, I think number one is, is absolutely without without fail, like without like even inspecting is very uncomfortable for me. I'm telling the truth. Um, really putting myself out there in a way of like I'm not hiding anything. I'm not like. For example, one thing I'm doing right now is I'm weighing myself every day. <laughs> I'm putting my weight on my, my Instagram story. Um, and it's something that I think, I mean, I'm getting any thousands and thousands of DMs about this, but a lot of people struggle with their weight because they see their weight fluctuating up and down. And I've made hundreds of articles and Instagram posts and videos like talking about, listen, your weight fluctuation is normal. It's expected. Like this is going to happen. But it hasn't hit home with people until I'm literally showing them how my weight's fluctuating every day. Like, I'm literally doing it. And it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are like, number one, wow, like, quote unquote, brave. I don't think it's brave. I think it's just like something I should do to show people what, 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 my, what I weigh. But I think a lot of people are like, wow, that's pretty brave. You like get on the every day and show people. Um, and I think that truth, that honesty is really hitting home with a lot of people in terms of, a lot of coaches have started doing it too. I've seen a lot of coaches starting to weigh themselves because they've seen the impact it's having or they mm. felt the impact on themselves. And then also a lot of people who aren't coaches are doing the same thing. They're like, wow, like this is super helpful. I see the fluctuations in real time. I'm watching the data. Like, I'm putting out a highlight so they can go back and they can see from day one until now just like how it's fluctuated day to day. And also posting like progress pictures so people can see, listen, just because my weight spiked up randomly a pound and a half one day you can see over the progress of the last however long that I've still lost that better. So um, it's been really helpful for people at the in terms of just being honest. And then the other the, I'd probably say the other big one in the fitness industry, I sort of mentioned it before, is I think a lot of coaches struggle because they they try to impress other coaches. They try to impress people with their knowledge. And that's coming from a place of insecurity. They're creating, they're creating, uh, they're creating posts, they're creating content based out of, well, when I post this, someone might put in my comment section and say, well, that's wrong, or you're stupid, or that's not accurate. And so their content is written from a defensive perspective. It's from like, uh, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put big words in here. Knowledge, like stuff that's going to impress people who are also my field, who don't keep them in and say that I'm wrong. Rather than writing from an offensive perspective saying like, listen, someone might come and say I'm wrong, but that's okay. Because there are going to be people who are reading, reading this who will actually help. They'll understand it. They'll like try it. They'll get better. And I don't give a fuck if the person reading it is in my industry says I'm wrong because I know it's going to help people actually try it and put it into practice. And so people are being so defensive and trying to prevent anyone saying anything bad against them that they end up not helping anybody in the process. I love that. I love that comparison. How much of what you create, produce, like distribute is candid versus planned out and there's this deep strategy to it like did you plan to um i'm gonna post a video of my weight every day because i want this result was it a part of your strategy or you just woke up one day like wow this could help people it was it was a complete and utter mistake mm. so much of what i do is mistake <laughs> i literally just ask people so like what i did was oh actually you know what this is a really interesting story so what happened the other day was i was on i was on my instagram and um I decided on, on a, I think it was a YouTube video. I was like, hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing this like a 90 day challenge to show you what my process looks like. In terms of, I'll show my weight, I'll show my pictures, I'll show my measurements, I'll show like my workouts. So you can see over 90 days that number one, I'm losing fat, but also number two, it's not taking over my life. 
they are actually able to enjoy pizza, actually able to enjoy pasta, actually able to go and have fun while still doing this. I'm going to show you the entire process, like, everything. Um, everything I eat, you'll see it. Everything I do, you'll see it. Like, this, you can really get a real like, inside view. And uh, one woman responded to my, so a story I put up about it, and she wrote, well, this is great for you, but I don't think, like, but good luck getting any other, any women to do it, because, uh, because that's just not going to happen. And I have a majority of the female followers, it's about 70, 75 percent are, are women. Mm. I know a lot of women coaches who are strong and independent who wouldn't let something like that prevent them from posting that type of stuff. So I responded, I was like, I'm interested to hear why you say that because like I know a lot of women who probably would. She responded, I screenshotted the conversation, put it on my story, and I got a ton of fun and tons of women being like, well, fuck that, now I've got to post it. And just to prove that it's wrong, that this at least the woman was saying, she was like, well, society's put all these pressures on us, da 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 And I was like, okay, let's say that, that it has. It's up to you whether or not you allow them to study it. Like, you're saying you can't post your weight because you're a woman and because society's put these pressures on you, but you're not wasting your weight, it's your decision. If that's your way of overcoming what society has done to you, then why wouldn't you do it? And all these, these women are like, holy shit, let's go. And they got like, yeah, if you go to my story right now, I have my weight for the day, but then I put up a ton of other people's weight for the day, a lot of women, a lot of men. And so I started posting it every day, and it was literally, it, it was fueled by that. It was like, you gotta post this because this is gonna help people, because like, if there are people out there who believe that this is, that we can't do this because of society, then it's like, fuck that. The only way that people are gonna start doing stuff, if the only, they're gonna realize the only way to make change is by acting, not by like, Accepting being stifled by something that, whether it is or isn't, if you're allowing yourself to be stifled, the only way to change it is by actually acting on it. So, really, that was, it, it was fueled by a conversation that happened, and that's like, I, I didn't know it was going to have that much of an impact. I had no idea. That's awesome, man. It's just you being you. Yeah, that's it. It's like, the honesty, the truth. That's really what it boils down to. And I think, the interesting thing about honesty and truth, especially on social media, is it's one thing to say it, and I think over the last two years, I've seen the word authenticity thrown out a lot, mm. hashtag a lot, being authentic, uh, almost to the point of, of being overused and like, like uh, sort of diluting the word. But I think the thing about being honest and actually truly authentic on social media, I think it, it's very scary for a lot of people. I think like, it's, it's, there are times when it's, just, it's very scary for me to say certain things or do certain things, but literally 100% of the time, I've never been, I've never regretted being honest about something on social media. I've always regretted if I wasn't like fully transparent. If I didn't, like, if I like, if only go to sleep this one part out because like that won't make me look good, I'll always regret taking that part out. I'll never regret leaving it in. Even if there's a, a negative response to it from some people, which like, is super rare. I think the, the vast majority of times, anytime they've been fully authentic and honest, it's always been ultimately positive. And it's just like, I think it's really scary to wrap your head around being this fully open and transparent and open and honest. But every time you've ever been scared and then you've done something despite that being scared, it's always been a good outcome. 
I love that, dude. And that's that's one of the reasons why I reached out because I, I feel that you're genuine. Not even I feel like I feel like I know you. I know you don't know me, but I felt like I knew you and I could trust you. And I, I took a screenshot. I'm like, dude, like this is fucking awesome. I'd love to have you on our podcast. And you responded like right away, which was amazing to me like that. I know it's, it's like this huge, huge, it's not even a play, but it's a macro play and you're building trust through that authenticity. So I love that, dude. Um, and just bouncing off of that to like macro versus micro, I was on your YouTube channel. You're talking about how macro, I think it, what is macro patience, micro speed that you learned from Gary Vaynerchuk, one of your mentors. Can you talk to me a little bit about that concept and how that's impacted your business and impacted your personal life? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was a, a YouTube video that I made that was basically in relation to fat loss, like fat loss at like that macro patience, micro speed level. And um, from the, like for anyone who doesn't understand, Gary talks about it from the perspective of micro speed in a business perspective being that, like every day you have to bring out content nonstop, helping people doing like every day nonstop, go 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 but even though you're doing it every single day every single minute every single hour you still have to have the macro patience of knowing that you might not see the benefits of it for two three four five years so it's like that that speed that go 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 but also the, the longer term view and understanding that the stuff you're doing today, tomorrow, next week, next month, you might not see the benefit of for two, three, four, five years. Um, which is very much in the same with, with like overall fat loss, body recomposition, like putting in the work every day, like getting your calories, getting your protein, going to the gym, doing this stuff, but understanding that it's not going to be any single one of these days, one of these actions, one of these meals that's going to make the difference in your body. It's going to be the of all of this over the next two, three, four, five years is going to really give you that difference that you'll finally look in the mirror and be like, holy shit, this is what I did. And I think a lot of people end up, whether it's in business or in fitness, they end up, they, they put in a ton of work. They try and almost even, they, they burn themselves out mm. so hard so fast. So that they've been, even though they logically know nothing can really happen in that sort of amount of time emotionally, they feel like they should should be going faster than this. I should be looking different. My business should be growing faster. It should be. And it's all when you have a conversation with them, well, why should it? They get to the other asking, well, why? Why? Like, why should it? It's like, they're like, because I'm working so hard. It's like, no one's denying that you're working so hard, but you've only been doing this consistently for a month. Yeah. This, this month, you worked very hard. Now do this again for another 24 months in a row. And then let's see what happens. And it's like, Sometimes I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around that. It can be very emotionally draining. And that's honestly, I think, one of the only reasons why I've been able to do what I've done is because when I first started my business, and when I started writing articles in 2011, I had no idea that a business was possible. Like, I didn't know that, that you could make money online. My goal when I started my business wasn't to make money because I had no idea there was a possibility of it. Very lucky if that that's what I started doing it as because if, if I had started with the goal of making money, I probably wouldn't quit. Mm. My only goal was just write these articles, make these videos to help people. And then what happened over the next several years is people started asking if they could if they could pay me to write their training programs, do their nutrition programs. And at first I did it for free because I was like, Well, I don't I, I just like doing this, yeah, for sure. And then I learned about this website called PayPal, and I was like, oh my God, yeah, let's do this. I remember the first person I ever charged the program was a woman from Brazil. I wrote her a 12 week training program, and I was like, I can't believe that she's one of the for this online. And that was like a long time after I started writing 
like hundreds and hundreds of articles and Facebook posts and Twitter and all this stuff. And okay. it, it happened because I was, it wasn't because I was inherently patient enough, it was because I was ignorant enough to not know that it was possible. And so I didn't really have a choice except be patient just by a side effects. Dude, that's awesome, man. That is, that's really, really cool. And I, I would agree, like on a personal level, I know, I don't remember where I saw it, but you talked about how, um, I think it's year eight or year nine of being a business owner and it took you forever to be profitable. Would you say that it's that, it was that ignorance that kept you going? Honestly, I think it was, it was part, part ignorance. I think ignorance is what fueled the beginning mm. in terms of, it was uh, part ignorance that fueled the beginning and part just like the passion and love for what I was doing in terms of. I was ignorant in regard to the business aspect, but I love what I was doing. I loved writing articles. I loved interacting with people. I mean, I was getting next to nobody liking or commenting on my posts on Facebook. Or like, I got like one or two likes. It was like great day. It was fantastic. Mm. Um, was, I loved it. And I remember if someone liked my post on Facebook, I would reach out to them via the messenger. Be like, hey, so you like my post? Like, just want to let you know if I can help. I'm here for you. I remember like I made a business email. And uh, I would just like check it or in, during the day during college, like, oh, I wonder who's going to email me. I hope someone emailed me. I hope so I can respond and help them or something. And like, I think it was that passion that really like fueled my consistency with that. And then once it started to see money like coming in from it, I was really lucky to have some amazing mentors at that time, like really early. And, and I was able to really keep my focus on, on content and helping people. But I mean, there were times throughout the process like, I started to be like, wow, like, well, if I do this, then maybe I can make more money. And every single time that I started focusing on money over helping people, I was less happy and I ended up making less money. Mm. Every time I started focusing on helping people more, I, I was happier and I made more money. And it wasn't because making more money led to being happier, because being happier like doing the right thing more money. I love that. Talk to me about Gary. How did that happen? Um, why out of, again, it's a crowded industry, dude. Like, why out of everybody did he choose you? Um, so it was, it was a really crazy story. So basically, and it all started from writing articles. Mm. Started writing articles in 2011. And so basically, Gary had a coach before I did, Mike Bukowski. And Mike and I didn't know each other. Um, but so Mike was coaching Gary because Mike, uh, Mike, had interned with Gary's coach before him. And so when his coach moved, is that, that coach recommended Mike to Gary. So then Mike coached Gary. And then, but before Mike really became a personal trainer. So back in 2011, 2012, Mike randomly found my website. And he was living in, um, in Minnesota, mm. in Minnesota. And we didn't know each other. We know each other were, but this kid, Mike, who was actually to Gary's coach, Gary's coach was reading my website, my articles. And I didn't even realize this until recently, but there are comments from some of my, on some of my articles back in 2012 from Mike. Uh, and I responded to that in depth, like in depth answers, like this is what you should do, blah, blah, blah. And then crazy chain of events, Mike moved to New York, he became an intern for this guy who was living in Gary at that time, he ended up being a very coach. And then all this time I went through college, I lived in Israel, came back to the States, I worked in the States, I moved back to Israel, I was living in Tel Aviv, when uh, I got a call, when, when I saw Mike was uh, essentially got a call saying, like, hey, do you want an opportunity to coach Gary from Mike? And um, then I flew from Tel Aviv to New York, 
just like for 24, like literally for like barely over 24 hours, because Gary went back to Tel Aviv. Uh, and a month and a half later, they called and said I got the job. And it was because Mike trusted me from 2012 and was like, on my website and like built that relationship. It was, it was four years prior to that. We still had only interacted once or twice after that, but like he didn't know each other, but he had trusted me that written those articles and answered his questions. Damn, man. That's, that's awesome. And it goes back to the character. And that's the, the true, like the macro patient thing too, is like those articles probably took me at least eight to 12 hours each to write Damn. all the information, put those out, never mind answering the comments. And then nothing ever, like, I'm not saying nothing happened because of those articles, but I mean, a really amazing opportunity happened from them four years later. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. I, I made a video, um, on LinkedIn recently, I don't even remember what it was about. Or sorry, LinkedIn a long time ago. I don't remember what it was about. Um, and I got a message from it. And she's like, "Q, like I'm starting this business. Um, I want to do this on LinkedIn. What do you think?" And I left this long, in-depth um, comment. And she recently reached out again. She's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm starting this thing. I finally stepped out and I did this." And she's like, "I just wanted to reach back out." I'm going to go with your company because you took the time to respond. You took the time to get back to me. You showed that you cared. So I, I love that, dude. And I totally agree. I totally agree. And what, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I love, I love just, again, it's same thing for me, dude. Like I create because I love and I want to give back. Um, and I love what you're doing. What, what ways would you say that just working with Gary, how has that impacted you and how has that impacted your brand and your company? Um, you know, it's interesting. So when I first started with Gary, when I started with Gary in, in May of 2016, I was very deep in that email marketing world mm. where my head was. I, I wasn't doing a lot of social media. I was like, kind of focusing a ton of copywriting and emailing. And um, I hadn't focused much on, much on social media, a lot largely because the email copywriting world really is like shits on social media. They're like, you don't need something in social media, not where the sales are, blah, 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 like all this stuff, like emails pain. And so I was very much in that world. But I did know that Gary was like a guru that came out social media. So I was like, this is he tells me to, to focus more on social, I'll focus more on social. I'm here, I'm here with him for three years, facing our contract. For three years, I'll do what he says. So, number one, and he wasn't like, hey, listen to emails too, but he's very much a huge component of email. but. He basically was like, listen, you have an email list, like, you should focus more on social, get that skill. I was like, work on that, like, that there. And so I did, and I think just the fact that I was able to push away from email and move to social for a while was a huge impact. But I'd say the much bigger and more important impact that he had was, was actually the being fully true, being fully transparent. I think it's one thing to say truth, one honest and transparent. It's another thing to really get it. And so I think one of the best ways to explain it, I'll never forget this. We were in Florida, I was coaching him. Mike could actually come down to visit us. This is about six months into uh, to coaching Mike to come down to say hello and just hang out for a minute. Mike was talking about I like doing Gary basically Mike wasn't being consistent on Instagram and Gary was like, why not? And and Mike was like, Man, I just don't really I don't know what to post. And Gary I'll never get this Gary was like, say that. Mike was like, say what? And he was like, say that. Like say that you don't know what to post. And write about that. And one of those things that's like a huge like it was a big click for me. It's like 
there's never a reason not to post. There's never a reason where you shouldn't know what to say because if you don't know what to say, then talk about it. You don't know what to say. Basically, just being like, whatever is on your mind, whatever you're feeling, if you're really actually being truthful about it, right, you'll talk about it. Whatever it is you're trying to say, you'll say. Like, even if, like, and that's sort of the various pieces behind document don't create, where, and I think a lot of people misinterpret it to the point of almost a, a, a negative, where they're like, well, I can't, I can't create anything. It always has to be documented. Like, Reading isn't bad, like, you can absolutely think about content and create it, and this something fantastic. But I think a lot of people, they try so hard to create, create, like, create the best, create that one piece of viral content to create that they end up not posting at all. Because they end up way overthinking it and not really understanding, well, if the reality is, number one, not every piece of content has to be, is going to go viral, it just won't. And every time you try and make a piece of content that's going to go viral, it probably won't. Things that go viral probably gonna surprise you. And the best thing and, and before even if something does go viral, it doesn't take away that you still have to build a relationship with your audience. And the only way to build a relationship with your audience is to be honest and truthful. And sometimes those posts that don't go viral, that don't get a lot of reach, but that do get a lot of depth of just like being truly honest about who you are and what you're going through, that will sometimes allow a post in four weeks, eight weeks, a year to allow it to go viral because it gets that traction that they're getting from the depth that you built beforehand. That is a really, really good answer, man. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have like a few more questions. Um, no, you're beast. Unfortunately, I have a meeting after this and I'm pissed because like, dude, like I love everything you're doing and I love how truthful you are about being truthful because it's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, what would you say to someone that um, maybe they're a trainer, maybe it doesn't really matter where they are, but they're struggling with that authenticity. They're struggling to be vulnerable. Um. I think I would say probably the same thing I say to, and pretty much any time someone is nervous or scared about doing something or struggling with something, um, the hardest part about anything is always taking that first step, like actually doing it that first time. Because once you do it, it becomes much easier. Mm. But for me, <laughs> the, the biggest thing that I've always thought about whenever I get scared about something, I'll tell you a funny story that I've actually never told publicly than before. Um, but I've always thought about when I'm nine years old, like, and I'm, and I'm looking back at my life, am I going to regret doing it or not? And that's how I was feeling it. And I remember the first time I started thinking in those terms was when I was in high school and uh, my buddy David and I, we, uh, I was very fortunate. I, I never really had an issue socially. I was always like very socially comfortable. But for whatever reason, we both decided to push outside of our comfort zone. It wasn't like self-help, but we were just like, let's just do this. Let's see, like, let's just try and do this. And in weird ways, so one of the ways was just trying to talk to girls. <laughs> we try and like talk to girls, we get their number and whatever. And um, and I remember like that was probably the first time in my life on a consistent basis in which I was petrified. Mm. To a random girl in the, in the middle of the mall or wherever we were, at a restaurant, at a coffee shop, and trying to start a conversation, get a number. It was scary as hell. But what we did was, was like that was when I first I remember having a conversation with David, being like, "Man, we're ninety. Are we going to care about like going to this girl and like asking for our number?" And even if she says no, like we're probably not even going to remember this time. We just got to go do it. And that was like taking those steps, like just to push past and go talk to them. And there were some girls who were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" 
remember what they look like at this point. I mean, I'm only 27 now, and it was like a little over 10 years ago. But like, that's just, it was, that's really what pushed me to start taking action and start pushing outside my comfort zone because whether it worked and I got the number or it didn't work and they were like, there's a fuck away from me, it was still a good time. It was still, I never regretted doing it, and I was always happier when I did do it. And I think having that experience, like, to see that, listen, whether it succeeds or it doesn't succeed, it's really always a success in some way, shape, or form. And just pushing outside your comfort zone is always a win. And so the more that you can see that, the more whatever, whatever it is disposing, like, if you're struggling to do it, odds are you should do it because you're not going to be, you're not going to regret it. I love that. I got two more questions. One, because I'm super, super curious. Um, if you could only do one thing to generate sales leads for your business, what would that one thing be? Put out free content. Mm. That's it. Like, if I could only do one thing, it would be literally never, ever, ever, ever pitch. Not because pitching is bad, pitching is fine. I think it's a great skill to have, but more like more people come to me every day asking for coaching or for help or whatever from my free content that's helped them than they do some of the kids that they found behind. And so I mean if I could only do one thing it would just be put out as much free helpful content that gives away all of my quote unquote secrets um freely fully available because that would just be that would be the best way to do it. I love it man macro and lastly, this is a strange on purpose show. Um, so what about you goes against the grain? What about you uh, makes you a misfit? Why and how are you strange on purpose? How am I strange on purpose? Okay, I would say, it's funny, I remember being in high school and in college, you know, in college, I was like, I was always nervous to, uh, tell for whatever reason, like this wasn't cool to like Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't remember the big time, but I'm pretty sure I either thought about saying it or actually said it was like, oh, I've never read those books, but I absolutely have read them like five times. And, like, and now it's like I use references from those books that are so obscure and so specific that like literally only someone who's like over the top obsessed with them would, would even like consider using them. And I, I love it. I love talking about it. And what I say it's been a huge blessing because thank God I've been, I, I, I don't even know what the word is, but it's like I'm confident enough, right? Just like truthful enough to say, like, this is who I am and that's it. Because that's connected me with more people than I could ever imagine. And uh, I would say, strange on purpose in that I've had so overwhelmingly open and honest about my obsession with Harry Potter that it's just been, uh, it's been a, a blessing because it's me connect with more people. I have another question. What, what house are you? I gotta go to Gryffindor. I, it's funny. I hate saying Gryffindor because it's like, oh yeah, okay, well that's just like the, like, that's the one thing you want to do because they won't be married or whatever. But actually, an interesting story on that is I've interacted with a bunch of people who said, like, well, I'm a Slytherin. And you know, every time I still wait, people are like, I'm always being interested. Well, why would you say that? Like, why are you still? And it's not because Slytherin is bad, but like, every time, every time I spoke to somebody who said that they were a Slytherin and I asked them why. And like really got more in depth, but I mean, not just like a, oh cool you're a Slytherin that's awesome. But like, well tell me why. Like, let's go deep in this. Why are you actually a Slytherin? Mm. It ended up becoming a thing where they weren't actually a Slytherin because of any of certain values or Slytherin. It was because they said it because of like the shock value. Or, like, because they liked seeing people's response when they said they were a Slytherin, and it was, it was like. 
whether or not they have to wear a sweater is irrelevant. It was like, why are you saying this? Why are you actually that? And it was very interesting in the end. And that was another thing. It's like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a Gryffindor because, like, I try my absolute best to be, to be courageous, to be brave, to do the things that other people want to do. I'm definitely not a Ravenclaw. Not really that smart. Really not that smart. I had a special education growing up. Like, everything that I was able to accomplish has, has been just from, like, steadfast, like, action and doing, even if I'm not the smartest, and I'm definitely not. And I wouldn't call myself the Hufflepuff because I'm really not, like, the sweetest, nicest person. Like, I do think I'm nice, and generally, like, I am pretty nice overall, but you know, when I have to be, like, decisive and quick and swift, and, like, sometimes if that has to mean, like, not being the nicest person, I will do it. And then I wouldn't call myself a Slytherin, honestly, just because I, not for any reason that, because, like, the sorting hat said, like, it's our, it's our choices that, it's like, it's our choices, like, our, or like Harry, he didn't want to be as, yep. necessarily the Slytherin was bad, just get that bad association with it. Yeah. It was Gryffindor. So, sort of in the same way, it's like, I just choose Gryffindor, so that's just what I am. It's, it's, yeah. it's a great question, and very few people actually, like, go into the depth of the house, the values of each one, and, uh, so that's why I'm a Gryffindor. I love it, dude. I'm just going to say this now, though. I'm Slytherin, man. Not for the shock value. I mean, maybe, maybe. But also, my favorite color is green, and I wear a lot of black. But the ambition, dude. I, I do think it's it's our choice. But everybody in my company, we, we're going to get, like, the, the crest. Slytherin, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff. But I dig it, man, and I appreciate you so much for coming on, man. Dude, thank you. I appreciate it. If there's ever anything I can do, we'll have to take a reach out. It means a lot. This is a lot of fun. Likewise, man. We will be in touch. Awesome, man. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Hey, you do. You too, dude.